Hey, listeners and friends. Thank you so much for supporting our show. If you really want to support the show, why don't you send it to a friend? Or you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. We would totally appreciate it, and it would help other people find the show. With that said, thank you so much for listening to our show and sticking around. Enjoy the episode. From Rixie, this is Frameform, a show about movies, moving, and everything in between. I'm Hannah Weber. I'm Jen Ray. And I'm Claire Schweitzer. Hello, and welcome to Frameform. This week, we are presenting an interview with Eric Chung, a street dance artist based in Vancouver, British Columbia, and a company dancer of Oro Collective. His film Ego is described by Eric and director Alamzan Alan Sabir as an analysis of the dualistic nature of the ego mind and its role in shaping one's identity and perspective on oneself. This interview was recorded in August 2019 at the Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival in Vancouver in association with Screen Dance Forum. This interview was conducted by me, Claire Schweitzer, and Karen Jensen, founder and director of Screen Dance Forum. Enjoy. So, Eric, welcome. We're so happy to have you today and to chat with you about your film Ego that you created with the director, Alan Saber. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's an honor. It's an honor to have me come in. Well, first, tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about yourself. Where mm-hmm. are you from? And tell us about your background in dance as well mm-hmm. of your potential background mm-hmm. in film. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Calgary since I was, I'm like 20. I moved here two years ago for Oral Collective. Um, it's a street dance contemporary group. I'm coming back. I'm coming from a street dance background. So very self-taught, very like not traditional, not in a studio. So that's where my dance background is from. I specialize in a style called popping. It deals with contortion, deals with releasing of the muscle. It's a lot about power and control. So yeah, that's where I'm from. I started dance about seven years ago and um, took it more seriously in the last four-ish years. And with film, it was always something that I wanted to explore. And um, the filmmaker, Alan, he's also a dancer as well. And he always wants to do work with dancers rather than commercial work. So it just kind of happened with Ego. Like we just were like, let's do a project. And then we got it commissioned by form. And then it just all kind of tumbled like that. It was cool. Yeah. Being commissioned to create a work, obviously there's a there's that satisfaction of a seal of approval in that someone really believes in you and is mm-hmm. a, uh, really puts that trust in you to create this film. And obviously there are some resources involved with that. Um, on the other hand, there uh, you have to fulfill many sets of criteria and you're creating a work not just for yourself, but also for this other organization. Mm-hmm. Um, can you elaborate on some of the challenges of that? Yeah, for sure. Like, I form, but, but like form is really, was a really good group. Like Sophia is like totally so good. It was such a good experience. They were so accommodating. So it was for us, like in that perspective, it was more giving us the freedom to create something, I guess with some organizations or if you apply for a grant or things like that, they have a lot of restrictions. But with form, it was very open-ended, like anything with movement. Like, just do a film on movement (laughs) and whatever that means to you and whatever story you want to portray in your film. So the challenging part that is, like, with film is, like, 
you want to do all these grand ideas, but the budget. So that was the only real big part. It's like we want to try this, but the logistics are this, and then you have to like figure out the middle ground and what you have to sacrifice and stuff, and then timeline. Like there's a there's a definite deadline to like get your thing done, which is good probably. There's always challenges, but some of the challenges are good at the long run. There's no better inspiration than a de- than a deadline. deadline. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Being forced to do something. <laughs> right. Well, since form was kind of uh, giving you a lot of liberties with this film, mm-hmm. what inspired you to take this this film in this particular direction? Ego, identity, um, self esteem, mental health was always something I've been interested with dance. And like creating pieces around that. Um, with I know before we were trying to figure out the idea with the piece with Alan, I just we were just coming up with brainstorming ideas, and then I was like, I want to do something with ego. And then okay, like what's the set design? And then we came up with the idea of having if initially it was the infinity infinity room. We wanted to have infinite reflections, but that's the budget. Like you can't. That's going to cost ten thousand dollars to create. But um, so we we just got a bunch of mirrors from IKEA, and having them placed really carefully so they don't see the camera, and then show different perspectives of whoever's in the middle of it. So it shows different sides of your ego, sides of your identity. That was kind of like a very simple, but very strong visually idea that everyone can kind of just like, oh, okay, this is really strong and it's really compelling. Yeah, it comes from that. Like ego is like even right now, I'm creating another piece around ego, and like developing that idea more, and getting it more deeper. Like trying to say what I need to say with it. But ego, it was definitely initially like my idea to do it. But Alan really helped. Like if I, if Alan wasn't there, I wouldn't be able to figure out the logistics. Or like we shot it on film, like Kodak. We shot on the Ari Flex. Kodak 35 meter film, and that was really challenging. But he really wanted to do that. But it made the look that we wanted it wanted it to be, and made it that much more deeper. So it was a lot of going back and forth with the idea. But initially, it was like the core idea was ego, and then trying to like spread and see how far we can push it. But yeah, it was just something I always been gravitated to do around that idea. Yeah. Actually, I want to go back on this um, that you the fact that you shot this film on thirty five millimeter yeah. film stock. Yeah. Um, can you actually uh, discuss why um, this particular choice resonated with you and elaborate on the challenges of using film? Okay, yeah, it was more of Alan wanted to challenge himself to like let's present works that are only on film, like, and that's something that's not done. Anymore, really, especially in indie films, it's hard because it's so much money. That's one of the challenges: is money. Like the film roll, even we got for a deal, it's still three hundred dollars for eight hundred feet, and that's only eight minutes of film. So we only shot it with eight minutes of film. That's why it's only two minutes and thirty seconds. But we only had eight minutes to work with, and then processing takes. You have to send it to Ontario because there's none in BC. At least, maybe not not we know of, but that was another four or five hundred dollars just to process only eight feet of film, and it gives us perspective on like these big films that just only shoot on film, and you're like, how do you do this and shoot like ninety minutes of just film? 
Like that's why you spend like a million dollars. But we're like, okay, we don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're just gonna do it. Um, but with film, it was a choice, more of an artistic choice for him, and I was really down to try it because no one does it. So I was down. I didn't know the logistics because I'm not from that side until we got in the nitty gritty. I'm like, oh, our whole budget's gonna be on this thing, you know. <laughs> um, it was challenging. Like the camera that we used, the battery didn't work, so we had to go source a battery, and then. We didn't have insurance, so we had to figure out insurance last minute. It, we we shot it all in like three days. Mm. It was it was really intense. Like we didn't sleep. Like I remember going to the studio at six a.m. and then leaving at one a.m. and then doing it for the next three days because we're we did not plan, which was like our fault, but we didn't know like what was going to happen, and that always happens like that. It's kind of like okay, you get here and you're like whoa, like. Everything's kind of going crazy. It was crazy, not gonna lie. But having that eight minute, only eight minutes, it made the film just that more real. Like, cause you have to perform, you have to get the shot. Like I remember, he'd be like, "Okay, we're gonna do it. Okay, just wait, wait. We're gonna change the mirror a little bit. It's not the way it is, cause you don't have a second time." So, mm. it was it was very intense, but it was worth it. Yeah. You know, you just mentioned the mirror. I I have to jump in about this. Yeah. So. Did you use any kind of post special effects to hide the camera in the mirrors? We we actually have a bet on this going between some of us. Some of us predict <laughs> that you did use special effects. Others think no, he just hid the camera. No, it was just hidden. That's why we spent so much time altering the mirror, and that's why the shot was so stationary. It was a very basic, like there wasn't a lot of pans, or it was just a close up, a wide shot. Also, the camera was like forty years old, fifty years old, and it was heavy. It was like a hundred pounds. Like the tripod was like made out of steel. The whole thing you you needed like a whole person to like squat and pick it up. It was not like the new ones where you can kind of just like go around. This was like a heavy camera, so we had to be very like strict about what we do and how much time we have. Like we we did some painting. Like the studio wasn't perfect. Like we. It would, there was like curtains in the back, but you don't know that because we we had to paint through the whole thing black in the background to make sure you don't see it. Don't have the because it'll take away from the whole film. So there was some post production for sure, but a lot of it was just making sure that shot was perfect and you don't see the camera. Well, yeah. well done because yeah. uh, how many yeah. mirrors did you have in there? Like, we had five. Yeah. No, two, four, six, six. Just thinking, there's so much room for error with six mirrors as well as just yes. film stock and a finite yeah. <laughs> yes. set of media that you can work with. Yeah, it was it was stressful, but we had some people like just like okay, two inches this way, two mm -hmm. inches that way. Um, but yeah, it was it was intense, and like we had to return the mirrors, all of them, because they were like that was like a thousand dollars to get the mirrors. So we we had to return it to IKEA and then. There was so much layers of stress like throughout this whole. So when IKEA no, but they yeah. were purchased and returned. Yeah, there was purchased thanks, IKEA. Yeah. Thank you. They have credits. Thanks, IKEA. <laughs> yeah, that's IKEA. Yeah. They like we went to IKEA and they're like, huh? <laughs> they're like, we can't return this amount of money, and they're like, oh okay, and then, but they were like, we'll override the system, and they're like, thank God. <laughs> so there's a lot of challenges, even in, in a short film like that. There's it's crazy how many logistical problems. And that's why there's like a full film set for big projects. Yeah. 
So uh, your film utilizes um, extreme close-ups of the body, like really, really extreme close-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably at the start of the film where those extreme close-ups kind of foreshadow the disturbance that's about to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is pretty common in screen dance, and it kind of creates its own little choreography within the frame. However, it's also very difficult to stage, and especially if you're dealing with finite media, mm-hmm. it's really crucial that you stage it well. Yeah. Um, and considering how much movement is unconsciously happening. How controlling were you of what was being captured of your body and how much were you just relinquishing that to chance? It was a lot of figuring out the angle of the perspective of the camera and then what type of movements would look best in that angle. Um, There's a lot, I remember that was a lot like of adjustment. We would just rehearse, not rehearse, but go through it a lot and see, okay, no, no, no. No, no. And I would honestly just have to trust them because I can't see it. So it was a lot of adjusting. It was it was a lot of by chance, Some, a little bit, I would say. But I was able to, as a popper, you can isolate a certain, like, he was like, use your shoulder a lot and then stretch it as far as you can so they can see the striation and then the reflection behind you on top of you. Like, um, it's a really good shot. Let's just do that. Like, I think half the film that we shot was a, like pretty much close-ups. And then the half was like wide shots. So a lot was dealing. I think we had a decent amount of footage, decent amount of footage of the close-up shots with what we had to play with. Because we wanted, that, we wanted that moment to be strong. And I think it was, I think it hopefully was, yeah. Right. Yeah. And how did you um, decide on the different parts of the body to use? I think it's just how, for me, like I'm very flexible in my upper torso. So he was like, okay, it will look sick if, if you do that. If you work on just the, the contortion of your shoulder or your, your neck or how strong your neck is, how much you're flexing or how, how much you're popping out or looking so crazy with your like uh, isolations. Yeah, it would just play on your strengths almost, yeah. Also want to touch on the movement vocabulary that's featured in the mm-hmm. film. Um, so so-called urban dance forms uh, mm-hmm. like popping have very nuanced and complex histories. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're often marginalized within the screen dance community. Mm. And often screen dance contextualizes these forms solely within commercial and mm. music video contexts. Mm. Can you uh, elaborate on the challenges that you faced in capturing your movement style to film and uh, trying to communicate it to those who might not be familiar with it? Oh, so like urban dance is also different from from what street dance is. So I'm actually from a street dance background culture. It's completely different. Um, they do crossover. Like I do like also do industry work or street dancers do industry work. Urban dancers do street dance stuff too. So it crosses over. But I totally know what you mean. Like like Step Up or something like films like that are always usually seen in that perspective or not in like a very like almost contemporary perspective. For me, it's like the way I think of dance is not like I'm a street dancer, so I need to show that I'm a street dancer, street dancer in the film. It doesn't have to be that. I find like with film, you can't, you kind of can do whatever you want because it's your film. It's not within the confines of the culture. And when you're in the culture, yeah, definitely like respect what's in there. But with like popular culture and like, how street dance and urban dance is portrayed. It's definitely weird because people in the public eye see it in a very different way. Um, I know like with film, 
there's a lot of contemporary films or there's a lot of styles, not street dance styles, represented almost. Maybe a little bit more now. I see it like with the Cascadia, uh, I think I saw this dancer from Germany, Majid, and he's in one of the films that's screening this week too. So there is definitely emerging and I think the dance is getting more respected because the dance only started 40 years in the 70s. So 40, 50 years, it's really new. So it's a process. I think it, it will always need to push. And like, hopefully I'm trying to push that envelope. Like, K Street, like we can all do this. Like, it's not just has to be like one person. Everyone can push your craft outside of street dance. You can push it in film. You can push it in theater. Like Oral Collective is combining contemporary and street dance. So it can always be pushed in these other mediums. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you a little bit more about your collaboration with the director. So based on the credits, there are clear delineations between choreographer and director, you Mm -hmm. know, who Mm -hmm. had which role. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes in dance film, those roles can get blurred. Oh, yes. Between director Uh and choreographer. So, and you mentioned that Alan um, has a background in dance as well. So how how did that influence the movement of the film? Was there a blurring Uh of of those two roles? For sure. It was like we both had a very, like, clear image on what we wanted or what we were imagining. And we discussed about that. But, like, it was really easy to... It was a lot of blurring, for sure. I trust him on some parts where... I'm like, okay, you, that's you, like, and then I'll do me. Then, but when we come together in the middle, it's like, cause he's a dancer, he could also communicate me like, yo, try to do this type of movement. And I would totally get it. He doesn't have to say a word. He just does it. He like, try this. And like, I'll be like, yes, I know exactly what it is. So he would be directing me and then I'll be like, but this angle is not strong for me because I can do this with this, watch this. And then he would understand what I'm doing, he's like, oh, that's right. You can do that. We can be blurred for sure. I think we separated well where he was in his strengths and I didn't really want to jump in. And then I was really in my strengths and he understood that too. So we had a mutual respect, but we, it wasn't never like, oh, you're the director, so I'm not going to help you with that. Or you're the dancer, so you figure that out. And then now there's a lot of this going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much decision did you have when it came to the edit? It was very like storyboarded that we did. So it was very clear what shots was going to be where. It was just which takes, well, we only did two takes really, but um, which take would make the cut. It was like, it, we already had the set plan. It was going to be close up, close up my face, and then wide shot, and then another close up, and then a wide shot, and then the ending. So we know what was going to happen in sequence. It was pretty much just trial and error. Like he would send me it because we were living in two different cities too so he would send me one copy and then i'll be like okay and then he send me the other copy and be like all right like compare and see what we can mix almost and see what's best it was a lot of trusting him too to see because there were some moments where i was like hmm i don't want this moment to be here he's like trust me just see it's true or he's like oh it, it makes sense like this is why you wanted to be like this so it was a lot of communication um but yeah it was good. It was totally good. I had definitely a role in that. And was it edited digitally? It was edited digitally. So the film got digitized. So you have it on a file and then put on to editing program. So I wanted to see how you engaged with the subject of mental health in the film and how the subject manifested itself 
both in, in the process of um, developing the movement material to mm -hmm. storyboarding it and editing it into the work mm -hmm. itself. Yeah, so like that film, Ego, was about just displaying the inner conflict that someone might have with their own ego, with the different sides of their identity. Or it's just purely just showing a, sh not showcase, but like a demonstration or putting it in movement. So that was the main inspiration to the movement. It was a lot of distortion of my body and a lot of stretching, a lot of powerful movements, a lot of like blow ups and like explosion and showing that inner conflict, showing like the anger or the frustration. So that was definitely a display because in mental health, like mental health is a lot about like with me personally, it was a lot of inner conflict and it's always inner conflict. It's all about what's in your mind and how you can control that and how you play around that. So that was a big inspiration to put it onto dance. And I always use dance as an outlet, right? To show what I'm feeling or to try to work what I'm thinking about and what I feel like is bothering me or whatever. So that was like the whole inspiration for the film. I just wanted to focus on one thing about it and then try to do it as well as possible and demonstrate as well as possible. And that inspired everything from the mirrors to the movement to Everything, yeah. So this film yeah. was a Vimeo staff pick and has yeah. been accepted in yeah. <laughs> uh, the Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival yeah. as well as uh, San Francisco mm -hmm. Dance Film Festival yeah. and potentially others. Mm -hmm. um, so apart from the satisfaction and the seal of approval from from getting staff those pick, accolades, yeah. Yeah. what else do you get from, from screening at these festivals? I think we get a lot of feedback. Um, it's always continuous feedback. We can always improve. It's always nice to have it screened somewhere else. We got a Nowness too, and uh, boom. So that was really cool. The staff pick was awesome. Like I remember, I was like, whoa. But you get, to a lot, you get a lot of people, like in the comments of Vimeo, like you get to see like someone quoted a whole sighting from a book and it was like, whoa, like that's really intense. Or people were like, wow, like you get to see what the perspective is on it when it's on bigger platforms. Because sometimes films don't, indie films don't get the, the views or the spotlight sometimes it needs. And you don't really get the perspective on, am I doing good work or am I, did I do something wrong or not wrong or right or just looking at it in a very objective way. It gives you that freedom and it gives you that platform to like kind of look at your film from other people's perspectives. So that was like, that's probably the most major thing. Like when I come go on Thursday, I hope to talk to people, be like, what did you think? Like, what did you feel from it? What did you feel like there was more? What did you want from it? Or what did you take from it? It would be really, in those things are really interesting for me. Has there ever been feedback that's come completely out of left field that um, either revealed something that you didn't know about your film or just something that you hadn't heard before? For sure. It's like a lot of... I know when I wanted to make the film, I didn't know what the final outcome would be or how people would, would see it. So there was a lot of different, there were some funny comments about it. Like, why are you wearing glasses? You shouldn't be wearing glasses, like in the comments, like like not important things, but that would happen. There's people like not getting it too, for sure. Like what is, why, are you, why is your shirt off? Why is there mirrors behind you? Why are you dancing in a dark room? Like, I don't get it. There's been some really good conversations with people especially with closer people and mentors where what they revealed to me showed some insight into like, oh, this is, 
this is actually why subconsciously why I made this film or why I wanted to pursue this film. So yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot because it's been a year actually. Yeah, it's been a year since we screened it because we screened it at Forum last year. So it's been a whole year of just like perspective. <laughs> yeah. How have you responded to the people that have asked about the shirt or the glasses? Some of them are really close to me. Like some of them are my crew. Like it's funny. It's nice. I I don't get bothered by it. I think it's, I think everything's like you just gotta take it with a grain of salt, honestly. And if people don't like it, that's that's even better, almost. So we've got two big questions for you. One, define what screen dance is. I think screen dance is it's a platform that you can do things that you can't do. If it's live, you can create your own world easily. You can develop that, and and I think it's more free. There's more ways to approach it. So it, with screen dance, for me, it's like another way of showing what you wanted to put out in the world. What dance filmmakers or works of screen dance have influenced you, and how? That's an interesting question because before going into this form thing, I did not. Watch. I don't really watch other dance films because I don't. I'm more interested in other mediums to bring elements from other mediums, especially with my circle. My circle is a lot of dancers too, but there's I have some photographers that are really visual, like、um, my friend Sebastian Valencia,、um, my other friend Eric Suey. They they shoot in fashion. They shoot in、um, in more conceptual stuff. They shot like once. Sebastian shot the visuals for my my piece.、Um, so for me, I haven't dived into that yet.、Um, I appreciate it a lot. I think when I watch a dance film, I don't follow a dance filmmaker. I know of them. I know some of them. I think it's important to go outside of it and then bring back, and then you can bring something new because every other medium has some their own way of approaching their art. So for me, it's actually just trying to pull from other perspectives, and then how does that work with film, you know? And I think now I, I'm more interested in film or music videos. Like someone who I'm really looking up to is like Deb Hines, Blood Orange, and how he constructs his music videos. Like I heard one time he made the song, and then the next day he had the whole visual. And he made the film in the next day after he made the song. Like that was crazy to see, and like how he only watches film throughout his whole day. He just puts on ten films, and he watches like hundreds of films every month. And just having that visual always coming around is th- those things are really interesting. Specifically, even in film that's not dance, like you can be kind of enclosed sometimes. I feel maybe I think. That's an area I need to explore, but right now I'm not pulling from it. Right now I'm pulling from outside. Is there、yeah. anything else that you'd like to add about、um, the film or the process of making、mm-hmm. it or the、mm-hmm. process of showing it? It was a long journey. It was a lot of people helping us. Like I have to say thank you to、uh, Jeff Hannibal Boom. He really put the film on. To be honest, like that was the first interview. The online premiere was on Boom. Like I have to say thanks. Like that was, if that didn't happen, like a lot of things wouldn't happen after that.、Um, so I have to say thanks to that.、Um, there's a lot of people that helped in the backstage of the film. 
just want to say thank you to everyone that helped out, like Sebastian, Megan, Fiona, um, some VFX people that Alan helped, got people to help out. So yeah, I just want to say thank you for all the help and the film hopefully served a purpose and it was, it was good that we made it. Thank you, Eric, for sitting down with us and talking about your work, Ego. We also want to give a big thanks to Screen Dance Forum and Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival for organizing this interview and having this conversation on our podcast. We really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Eric, Screen Dance Forum, Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival, or this show, you can find links to everything in the show notes. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Frameform is a production of Rixie in collaboration with Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival. Hosted by Claire Schweitzer and Karen Jensen. Engineered by Angela Rosales-Chalas. Edited by the Frameform team and mixed by Mason Carlton. Thanks for listening. See you next week.